Hallelujah. The Lord is good this morning. Amen. Can you stand up and let's give him a hand? It's so good to see you. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's give him a hand. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we magnify you. We lift you up today, Jesus. May you be exalted in this place. May our hearts and our minds be turned to you, Lord, and none other. In Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, I thank God for his goodness this morning.
church. Those things that the devil wants you to believe are dead and hopeless. He has a way of bringing life into them and raising them up this morning. Amen.
beautiful oasis, Father. He has a way of doing what we don't understand. Uh, he's taking what we don't understand and turning it into a beautiful masterpiece. Amen? Those things you don't understand in your life. He's so good, church.
Fell off of a fell off of a horse. If some of you don't know, it's Sister Betty's uh, youngest daughter that she had fell off of a fell off of a horse, and uh, when she when she fell, they were actually on just a casual casual ride. They had went down. Her and Don had went down to uh, to see uh, Hannah and Haley at college, and so they all went out for a for a horse ride. And uh, something spooked the horse that she was on, and it took off and, and threw her off. Well, when it threw her off, uh, they thought when they first walked up to her that she was dead. If, if my... And uh, of course, you can imagine 
Donna and you can imagine the two her two young daughters how they fell and uh, she had what had happened she had broken four ribs and punctured her one of her lungs and you can imagine what sister Betty was thinking you could imagine what I was thinking when I got the call and how many of you know I spoke last week just for a few minutes on how the enemy uses that megaphone in our ears when we got that question. We don't know what's going on at that moment, at that time. How he throws all of these lies. So the first thing that the enemy throws at you is she's not going to make it. They, uh, they took her to the uh, trauma unit at the University of Kentucky. And whenever you hear someone going in a trauma unit, I had a loved one one time was in a trauma unit that I didn't think would get, get any better, and God literally resurrected their life. And so when you get that call, you know, the enemy just starts just throwing things at your mind, and fear tries to take over, and the demonic power of fear tries to take over uh, uh, what you just heard. But I stand in this pulpit this morning. I'm just reminded by that song, God, you are so faithful. And I think I've mentioned this before. The first time I heard that song, and I think it had been out for a while, the first time I heard that song was at Brother Jim's dad's funeral. And I've, Brother Dale, I've made that song kind of a song of, 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 of where I stand in my life right now. Lord, you're faithful. And I testify this morning that, that God, you are so faithful. Michelle's two blocks down from us at home this morning. All I can really tell you I can't stand up here and right now and tell you a lot of doctrine and a lot of theology behind what goes on in our lives. But I can tell you one thing, in the midst of the fiery furnace, in the midst when you get calls like that, in the midst of maybe your, your children or, or your mom, your dad, your family, your job, whatever's going on in your life, it all looks different of sickness right in the middle right in the middle of that right in the middle of that circumstance the very first thing we can do is to worship you know i'm reminded of the three hebrew children right in the midst of that they said we're not bowing we're not bowing to the words of the the, the words of the the devil we're not we're not bowing yes. to our circumstance but god you have been faithful to me and right where i'm at right where i stand when i don't understand it when my heart is broken and i can't figure it out i'm gonna do sister tina just like joshua did lord you've been faithful in the past and when we cross this jordan river i'm gonna take a couple of steps back and i'm gonna put up some stone to remind the generation behind me of how faithful god is Yes, amen.
God, you've been faithful in the past and I stand right here and I, I can't figure it out and I don't know what's going on and my heart is broken, but I know one thing. I'm going to intentionally pick up those memorial stones of where you've been faithful in the past. And I'm going to step back and I'm going to build that altar of praise. And I'm going to get down right where I'm at. Where it, it, it might look dark. It might have, you cannot figure it out. And my mind feels like it's in a distance. But I'm going to say, God, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to look at the milestones of where you've been faithful. And I'm going to build an altar of thanksgiving right in the midst of the fiery furnace. Tears may be rolling down my eyes. My heart may be broken. But I know that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you have been faithful in the past, you're going to see me through this. Because God, you're a faithful God. Some of the older generation here can testify more to that than I can. Because you, God, has walked you through a lot of valleys and a lot of trials and a lot of situations. God, you are going to be faithful. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I want you to lift your hands straight up in the air. And God, you're going to be faithful to my lost children. You're going to protect. I had someone to share with me this morning how fear tries to get in their life over their children. But you know what? Devil, you are not going to torment us in fear. And you're going to work it all out for my good some way. Somehow, you are going to be faithful. Guys, I want you all to sing that again. And I want you to try to get up the, the problem off of your mind. And I want you to look at Calvary and look at what Jesus Christ did at the cross. And if he was faithful at the cross, he's going to be faithful in everything else in your life. Come on, let's worship, church. Come on, let's get those hands up in the air and let's worship in the spirit.
march around the church and give your neighbor and tell them how much you love them this morning. in the house of the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We got just a few announcements before uh, Pastor John comes and preaches. Uh, this week at 630 is our women's Bible study. Uh, let's continually remember uh, Pastor Steve and uh, Cindy are out of town. They went to see their daughter in North Carolina. So if you will be praying for them as uh, the Lord protects them and watches over them uh, on their uh, travel. Uh, light the night, uh, October the 31st from 6 to 8. Uh, Pastor John and Amanda needs as many people that can help that night. I know Light the Night was an, was an awesome, uh, awesome time 
uh, last year, but they need as many people as they can to help because it was very, uh, very busy. We had a lot of kids to come through, but we also had a lot of fun last uh, last year. Back in the foyer, back in the foyer where the welcome desk is, on the left uh, left hand side on the desk there is a sign up sheet. Okay, if you want to help with that, and I want to encourage you to get involved in our outreaches. Uh, back there on the left is a sign up sheet. Okay, it's from six to eight. And so if you will, please get involved, sign, make sure you put your name up on that. And so we're just going to love on the kids as they come in the community, but they do need some more people to sign up and help with that outreach as we love, uh, love on those children. Amen. I am, uh, I am excited to hear Pastor John preach this morning. I was looking at his title, Your Identity in Christ. Dear, sometimes we forget our identity and who we really are in Christ. So I'm excited about hearing this message this morning. I have seen Pastor John grow so much in the last year and a half. And I am so proud of him, and I know that God's hands upon this young man's life. And before he comes and preaches, I'm going to actually ask him to come on up, and I want you to stand, stretch your hands this way, and we're going to ask God to anoint him with the Holy Spirit as he brings what we feel like that God, what he feels like God has spoke to him about this morning. If you're stretch your hands this way, okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for you are a good, good Father. Lord, you have have anointed this man for this hour and this time. Lord, we do not take your anointing lightly. We know it's something, God, that when he stands behind this sacred pulpit, God, that you've anointed him, God, we're asking you right now to touch his mind. And we're asking you, Lord, to take all distractions away, that you will put an angel at the doorpost of his mind right now to keep all distractions away. As the Holy Spirit speaks down into his spirit, that it will come up out of his mouth, and God, we will hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us, not what Pastor John has to say to us. But you will use him as a vessel. Now, God, I know that you have anointed this man for this hour and the time that we live in. God, he has went through a lot. He has been through a lot. And God, you have God anointed him. And so God, we're asking you right now for the spirit of the Lord to work through him. And God, we thank you in Jesus name. We pray everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Awesome. Thank you again, Pastor Kevin, uh, for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to speak this morning, uh, I'm honored to be able to do this. I'm honored to be able to, uh, for God to give me the, the, uh, the available, the option to be able to do this. And, and I can't do this without seeking His face. And, uh, um, and that opportunity only arises when, when I know that I'm walking in His calling. And I take that, uh, I take that very serious. Uh, before we start, um, October 28th is Pastor Appreciation Day. Who all appreciates Pastor Kevin? So that day we're gonna we're gonna honor him and Pastor Tina uh, for all the work they've done, all the sacrificing they have done outside of the church, inside of the church, all the long hours they've put into this. Uh, so we just want to thank them. So on that day, if you all could, we want to encourage you to come, and uh, so we can appreciate Pastor Kevin and Pastor Tina. Um, 
I want to talk about your identity in Christ this morning and who I am. You all should have gotten a piece of paper and I want you to write down you know, one word that best describes you. Um, and I just don't want it to be you know, hard. Just one word that, that comes to your mind. Whether you like it or don't like it. Because, let's be honest, we may not like some things about our own life, but we may be dealt with it for so long, that's who we think we are. Um... This gave me confirmation this week. I had to go to a funeral of a 14-year-old girl Tuesday. And from what the family was telling me, I'm saying this because I told her that I, I, I would get the church to pray for her. At six or seven, she came to Children's Church. The family said she struggled. As adults, we might struggle. But as kids, as teenagers, we got to know who we are in Christ. We got to know that what the world is telling us, if it doesn't go with what the Bible says, it's not who we truly are. And I pray to God that I do not have to do that again. There's 14 years old. And that just hit hard with me. Because from what she was also being bullied from what the family's telling me. So before I even start, before I even get into my message, I told her that I would get the church to pray for the family. She's struggling. She said, I have to bury my own daughter today. So I told her that I would get the church to prayer. They would play something lightly. Let's all just, just bow our heads and, and, and let's just pray for this family if you would, please. I have an eight-year-old daughter that's hit hard. And I want to instill in her who she is in Christ. So let's pray. Dear God, we just... We lift this family up to you right now this morning, God. God, I pray, God, that you would just give them peace that they need right now, God. Peace that all passes all understanding right now, God. As we're just crying out to you, God, and just, I pray that, God, that you would wrap your arms around this family this morning, God, right now, God. As they are mourning the loss of a loved one, God. God, I pray right now, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit right where they're at, right in their midst, right now, God, and just love on them, God. And God, I pray, God, that you would just give them peace, God, and peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, church, I just had to get that off my chest, and, and, and it was a confirmation of what I'm supposed to be preaching this morning. Who am I? Ask your question, who am I? I want to get a little icebreaker, kind of maybe break the mood a little bit. Um, 
A little joke I got here. Uh, you might not uh, laugh. You might think it's corny. But one of the best things about being broke is that nobody will steal your identity. So that's the good thing. If you're broke, you know no one's going to steal your identity because you had nothing to give them. So I just thought that was a little a little chuckle before uh, before I start. So if you have not written anything, I'm going to try to take a little time to write something down. We'll hold on to this. Think about this while we're doing through our message. But who am I? Who am I? Am I an athlete? Am I a successful student in college? Am I a track star? Am I a runner? I mean, those are great things to ask yourself. And you can even put that down and say, hey, I'm an athlete. But we don't want to get caught up on that one thing that we are identifying ourselves to be bigger than the creator who created us. Because things can happen. When you're, if you want to be an athlete, if you want to be a football player, and you're, you're great at it, you're talented, and that's all you think of. Football, 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 track, track, track. What if I hear stories about athletes getting hurt and, and, they think their life's over because they put their whole identity in being an athlete, a football player. But we are more than what? Than conquerors. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ offers all of his followers a new identity the day they became a Christian. See, that identity is different than the one that you may think of yourself as. Or it may be different. I mean, it's different than the one you may have written on that piece of paper. Or it's just you're more than that. As you can ask yourself, am I what people say I am? A lot of these questions come up. Am I what people say I am? See, we can define ourselves by the things that we've done wrong. And also the things that we've done right. So if you're a successful person, you define yourself as being successful. If you've failed quite a bit, like I have, you can define yourself as a failure. All I do is fail. Why do this? I'm just going to fail at it anyway. Why do that? I'm just going to fail Anyway, see, it's not about who you are, but whose you are. We are a son and we are a daughter of Christ. It's not about who we are. It's not about I'm an athlete, I'm a great student. It's about whose we are. We are a child of God. I'll probably say that a million times because it's just that simple. See, how you identify yourself determines how you approach life. How you identify yourself determines how you approach life. If you identify yourself as a successful person, you'll go into things that I can do it, I'm successful, I'm good at it. If you define yourself as a failure because of your past, you're going to go in there and say, ah, probably going to fail. I'm a failure. Why even bother? Why try? See, if we do anything other than please God, We'll try to achieve more and more. We'll try to achieve more 
and more, and we end up being empty because we're trying to fill something that can never be satisfied. We're trying to fill that something that can never be satisfied. Identity. We need to almost learn. We need to like to teach ourselves if we think of ourselves other than what God is telling us we are. We need to almost teach ourselves, train ourselves to do that. Levi, he is three years old, right? And they are teaching him how to identify his name. He can see his name, Levi, Selby, and he say, that's me, that's me. He can't even read. He'll see LS, that's me, that's Bevi. He says, Bevi, that's Bevi. He can see that at three years old. He can't even know how to, but he can identify his name. Why can't we identify who we truly are in Christ? If he can do that and he can't read, but see his name and know that it's his name, why can't we identify who we are in Christ? John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I could probably stop right there. We can all go home. We'll be good to go. I mean, he gave us the right to become children of God. The very moment that you trusted Jesus, listen to this, for the forgiveness of your sins, one of the best things probably to ever happen is those adoption papers were signed. Those adoption papers. We then became a child of God. It reminds me, August 18th, 2015, when my daughter Addison was born, I held her in the arms for my very first time, I became a father for the very first time. I looked into their eyes, and it's the overwhelming love that I had for her. Overwhelming love. I always wanted a daughter for the first time. First kid, I always wanted to be a daughter. And I just had an overwhelming love for her. See, we were placed, you were placed into the arms of God. And He looks into your eyes and says, I love you. You're my son. You're, you're my daughter. I love you. That's what He does to us. So, so if we know that, but maybe what's on your paper and you don't like, let's change that. Let's change that and really know who we are in Christ. When I was younger, there was a Bible story, Zacchaeus. If you all remember Zacchaeus, the, the Bible story. You all know the little, the little jingle that it kind of helps you remember. Can we all kind of maybe sing that a little bit? The first few. Let's just, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Let's say it one more time, just in case the ones that didn't really know, they kind of know now. So let's say it again. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I'm sure that this very day, Zacchaeus, 
gets a little frustrated in heaven every time you hear this song being played. Him being described as a wee little man. See, Zacchaeus has SMS. You all may know that as probably a text message term, but no, no, no. He has short man syndrome. He has short man syndrome. Tall, see, you see tall men get all the pretty girls. He's probably the tallest one in here. Tall men get all the pretty girls, right? So short men have to prove that we are somebody. <laughs> My mom is short. Pastor Amanda downstairs doing children's church. She's short. I'm short. Our kids don't even stand a chance. Don't even stand a chance. See, to become a somebody, which we all desire, right? We all desire to become a somebody. Zacchaeus had to find an alternate path, and one of the most common is wealth. But see, this is what it cost him. Say, to pursue wealth in the city of Jericho, which he did, he was wealthy, but he did it at the expense of his reputation. See, he was a chief tax collector, and he was despised by the people. Luke 19, 1-7 says this. Here's a short story of it. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Remember, he achieved that wealth. See, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, anybody else out there short? He was short. He could not see over the crowd. Before I go to any event, I try to get up front because tall people like this guy right here will sit right in front of me. I'm just picking on you, buddy. I'm just picking on you. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. See, did you notice that Jesus called Zacchaeus out by name so that all could hear? And then he said, I want to go hang out at your house. I want to go chill with you. People in the back are, oh my goodness, he's going to go hang out with this short dude who's a sinner. <laughs> See, it's very important in what Jesus is doing in front of all of these people, right? Who despise them. Not like them, who despise them. See, they can't believe that the most popular guy on the planet wants to hang out with this lowly despised tax collector. But Jesus, like he does with us, like he does with me, see, he sees Zacchaeus differently than everybody else. And it has an immediate effect on Zacchaeus. I mean, immediately. See, in verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated 
anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. See, it changed who Zacchaeus was. He, he paid back what he, what he did wrong. He, now when we pay back, we do one and one. Back then it was one and four. When I was, I wasn't even going to say this, but when I was younger, into my, um, into my addiction, I worked at a, I worked at a bowling alley. And, and, and long story short, yeah, of course, I stole money. But then when I went to Teen Challenge and I got saved and God worked in my heart, I knew I tried to go back and make things right. And I went back knowing not, no clue how, what was going to happen, what was going to be said, whether he was even going to even talk to me. But, but my identity changed. My identity, I like, I needed to go back and fix this. And, and, and pay him what I took from him. I'm saying this because my identity changed. My identity shifted. It was almost an immediately, I've got to fix what I've done wrong. And that's what Zacchaeus was doing. You see, up to this point, Zacchaeus saw himself based on what other people saw him. Zacchaeus saw himself based on what everybody else was telling him. And some of you may be doing that very same thing right now. You're seeing yourself based on how other people saw you. Maybe how other people saw you because of your, your past. Oh, don't hang around him. He used to do this and this and this. Or maybe what something you're going through right now. You may be just soaking that in and believing what they're telling you. Eventually, he became to see himself that way. See, if someone tells you that you're, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're a failure, and they keep saying that over and over and over again, if they keep telling you these things over and over again, you're going to start believing it. And you'll start acting like these things. But now someone who rolls into town Someone who is more important, who sees him differently and immediately and suddenly and sometimes it always doesn't happen that way. But immediately and suddenly Zacchaeus wants to behave differently based upon how this important person sees him. Not on who everybody else sees him as. He is basing up on how Jesus sees him now despite, I mean, despite of all the failures and all the things he had done wrong in the past. Aren't you all thankful for that? Because in the past, he could call me some things. See, he gave back and fixed what he had done wrong. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. See, apparently Jesus looked into the heart of this confession of Zacchaeus. Because he said, today salvation has come to this house. This was his confession. And his outward expression to make things right. Jesus said this publicly, 
not privately. He said, this man too is a son of Abraham. He didn't say, this man too took all y'all's money. This man too got rich off of you all. This man too is a son of Abraham. He didn't say this man too was a failure. At the moment we place our faith in Christ, this is what it happens to us, just like it did with Zacchaeus. It was immediately an opportunity to shift his identity. It shifted his identity. He no longer wanted to cheat people because he no longer needed to be wealthy to be a somebody. And did you know that the day that you became a Christian, your identity shifted? See, you are an ultimate somebody because you're related to the ultimate somebody. Let's say we are a somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a somebody. I am a somebody. And if someone says, so what? Turn to your other neighbor and say, I am a somebody. If they say, so what? Look at me. I'll listen to you. I am a somebody. See, it may feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, you don't want to go to the grocery store. Hey, I'm a somebody. It's kind of, kind of weird, you know, you know, but, but we got to get used to wearing that on our heart, on our sleeve. See, what if you actually believed this in your heart and the difference that it would make in your personal life? What if you actually believed, despite of all the failures, all the things that you have done wrong, what if you actually believed it deep down in your heart? What things would change? What would we do differently? This is just kind of a question that ask yourself. I've been asking myself that, you know. See, when you know who you are in Christ, there's three things you can do. You can stand for the truth. You can reject the lies. And you can minimize temptation. I didn't say get rid of the temptations. You can minimize the temptations. And there are four things that I want to share with you this morning. I promise we're almost done. I told Pastor Kevin I was going to cut it a little shorter this time. And it looks like I'm not. So, so that's why I'm like trying to be lively here to wake y'all up. Number one, I am free from condemnation. I love that. I am free from condemnation. Roman 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for this next statement right here. You no longer have to earn a relationship with God. See, we could never achieve that goal anyway. We can't earn a relationship with God. No matter how good we are, no matter how bad we are. We could never earn a relationship with God. And plus, it'd be pretty exhausting to try. Because you just be... Oh, man, messed up there. I start all over again. See, you are received not on how good or bad you are, but the fact that you are His 
child. We are received because we are his child. Nobody here is perfect. We are received because we are his, we are his child. If, 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 if we get saved and then continue to try to do good and try to be better and better, but it's not like he's going to love you any more than what he did if you were in your past. He still loves you the same. No matter what you saw yourself as in the past, he still sees you as a child of God. When I was in my, in my addiction, he still saw me as a child of God. I saw myself as a drug addict, an alcoholic. I wasn't going to do anything. He saw me as a child of God. I didn't know who, I didn't know what my true identity was. Went through school. Thought I was going to be a sports person. Just, you know, just identifying myself as that. Number two, my worth comes from my position in my Christ, not, I mean, my position in Christ, not my performance. My position. My position is that it's, it's, it's simple. You're a child of God. You're a son and you're a daughter of God. Not my, my performance. If it was by my performance, I would be way off. My position as a child of God is not by my performance. Number three, I live to express who I am in Christ, not prove who I am. I want to live because of who I am. Now, I don't want to prove who I am. There is a movie I watched. It's called Chariots of Fire. It's a story about two runners who both ran in the 1924 Olympics and both won gold medal. If you're wondering and writing that down, you can get it for free on YouTube. All right? Just like the the service is being streamed on YouTube. Go back and watch that again or previous ones, but you can watch this movie on YouTube. 1924 Olympics. I don't know if Pastor Kevin was there that day or not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, they both, they both won gold medal, alright? Look, check this out. They both Ran and they both won. See, but you're like, that's, that's kind of a weird movie. A good movie has a what? A winner and a what? A loser. A, um, like a Marvel movie. A good guy or a bad guy, right? That's what it usually a, a movie, movie is usually about. See, it wasn't in winning. It was in why and how they ran. See, Harold Habram, he ran to prove who he was. Eric Little, a follower of Christ, ran to express who we already knew he was. He ran to express who we already knew he was. In the movie, Eric Little quoted this, When I run... This is awesome. He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. 
when I run, I feel God's pleasure. He also said, say to like, you know, I know God wants me in this life. He said, because he gave me the strength to run. Number four, I can focus on building others up, not tearing them down. One of the main reasons why people tear other people down is to build themselves up. Don't say this to them. All right, it's not in my notes. Don't say this to them. I think she said it. When, when they do that, reject it and say, oh, poor, poor, pitiful people. They must be pitiful to be able to walk around tearing people down. Say, poor, pitiful people. But instead of being angry at them, just just pray for them. Pray for them. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to tear anybody down. Because... Who you are is secure forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, what if I messed up? Well, it's still secure forever and ever and ever. Your identity in Christ is secure only if we put our trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. Only that and only that when our identity will change. As they come up, the worship team comes up. I want you to take that piece of paper. I want you to stare at it. Think, after what we've talked about, is this who I really am? As you question, who am I? Who am I? See, you have an identity in Christ. Don't believe what the world or anybody else tells you what or who you are. You are a child of God. And the most important thing is you are not defined by your past. As we close our eyes, not looking around, You're thinking, man, I really don't like what I put down, but that's who I think I am. Or another aspect of it, I do like this down. I mean, I I do like what I wrote down. But just know that your true identity in Christ is a son and a daughter of God. I want to challenge you before we leave this morning, and if you want that word to be changed this morning, I wrote down chosen because God chose me despite my failures. My past mistakes. I don't know what you wrote down. But if it's other than that, that's not your true identity. 
If you want to leave here this morning wanting that to change, this altar is open. I can pray for you. You can leave here knowing your true identity in Christ. Because when we leave here, other people are going to say other things other than what God's telling us. If that's you, slip your hand up, put it by next between you and God. If you want that one word to change, thank you. If you want that one word to change, and this altar is open, They play softly. Don't leave here this morning. And if you haven't accepted Christ into your life as your personal Savior and you want that identity, nobody looking around, slip your hand up and put it back down. Praise God. I want to challenge the ones that raised their hands up. I want to challenge them to come to the front. And we'll pray over you. And you can leave here changed, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing your true identity. So these altars are open.
give God a hand. It's hard to come up here, even as adults. But as young kids, I wish I had that. I wish I knew who my true identity was like they do. And some of you all are sitting here right now. So we need to be challenged to leave here knowing what our true identity is in Thank you. May God's face shine upon you. And thank you for, for coming. Let's give the Lord a big hand this morning. How are you proud of these young people? Hallelujah. I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart when, when Pastor John was closing. That if we don't get that right... We're going to struggle. We're going to struggle in a lot of areas of our life, a lot of areas in our life, if we don't get our identity in Christ right. Once again, Pastor John just preached a, an excellent message. Just give him a hand, a round of applause this morning. Amen. Amen. Before we leave this morning, if you'll put, Sister Tina, if you don't mind, if you'll put the picture of uh, the flag of Israel up on our screen. We're going to take a few minutes just before we leave and we're going to pray for the nation of Israel. If we'll all stand if you can. And not only for Israel, but for the Palestinian people, the Gaza Strip. Church, we're on the brink of the coming of the Lord. We need to be on our knees and we need to be praying not only for ourselves, but for our families. But the Lord said in His Word, as we pray and bless Israel, He'll bless our life. And I don't want to have time or want to go into what's going on in Israel at this moment and the Gaza Strip. But if you've been watching the news at all, you know it's horrible. And in Calvary Assembly of God this morning, we're going to take the time for the next few minutes and we're going to pray over this great nation of Israel, but we're going to also pray over the Palestinian people that have lost family, have lost little children. And we're going to ask God to touch them right now. Amen. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord in prayer and let's pray for this great nation of Israel and the Palestinian people. Father, we know that you are still the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Lord, as we thumb through from Genesis all the way to Revelations, God, you show us very clear in your word that perilous times are upon us. And God, you made it very clear for us to pray for the nation of Israel. So Father, this morning we pray for the Jewish community. Our hearts go out, God, for this great nation. Our hearts go out for the Gaza Strip. 
our heart goes out for these moms, these dads, these little children, these teenagers. And God, we take a moment in our church service, and God, we're asking you, Lord, through your sovereignty, through your grace, through your mercy, through your unfailing kindness, that Lord, you will touch your nation, your chosen people, Israel, and the Palestinian people, every mom, every dad, every little boy, every little girl, every teenager, Lord, that you will touch them this morning. And God, that you will keep them. Lord, your hand will be upon them. And Lord, we thank you for looking down upon our church service this morning. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us your grace and your mercy and your love as the Spirit of God has touched our church service this morning. And we thank you. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. God bless you. As Pastor John said, may the Lord's face shine upon you today and keep you in his perfect peace. Amen.